0: This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources Innovations in Enrollment Management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com.
1: So we've been talking the last few weeks about the twenty-four ways to create a world-class and enrollment management process, and we've been hmm. talking about um, various kind of like themes of which. Inside these themes, we put in thought starters, and we've touched on how to create buzz and how to uh, capture the interest in creating an actual lead from the buzz. We spoke about um, how to create positive first impressions so that people don't leak and take off, and we talked about how to create meaningful conversations at the admissions level to optimize the interview-to-sit ratio. And now we're going to talk about enrollment retention marketing, how to Mm -hmm. keep students in school, and we're going to talk a little bit about career services and placement. And um, so to that – oh, and then after we're done today, we're going to be um, – Christy is going to take all of these tips and build that into a very nice uh, white paper, and then we're going to offer that to those who have registered for this series as a little gift for – Hanging out.
0: Great. Great. So all the notes, and I think we've had requests for that, all the notes and the, the kind of an easy easy uh, cheat sheet, we're going to put that together. Christy's going to put that together for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, now, hey, you said you, something interesting. You said sure. Something interesting. Well, you said retention marketing. I don't know if I've heard that term before.
1: Uh, maybe a bit of an oxymoron, Shane, but... Um,
0: Oh no, I like you, it.
1: Yeah, you know uh, it's it's addition by subtraction as as everybody knows on this call when somebody leaves partway through money has to be refunded. Um the the the, the cohorts get shaken up a little bit. Um the uh, the revenue goes in the wrong way. And if it costs let's just say $1500 to go and accumulate acquire that student um, in the marketing and sales side or just in the marketing alone, that money's flushed. All that effort by the admissions rep flushed. All that uh, revenue that they've built that intake off of for the uh, the student, for the, the, the p- duration of the program flushed. Mm-hmm. It creates tremendous financial hardship and um, so to that end, um, retention, or what we could call post-sale marketing, post-contract marketing, is really crucial. Not many schools do it, and for every person yeah, you no, can keep – go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yes,
0: that, that, and, I, and I think in a way that's the first tip, is that thinking about this as a, a marketing habit or a marketing practice is a healthy way to think about it. Because you're right, it's it's wildly expensive to get somebody. And when we lose them, it's not only demoralizing, uh, but costly financially. Mm-hmm. And so if we can apply some of the kind of marketing stuff we've been talking to on how to keep them, uh, it's really beneficial, obviously, to the business.
1: Yeah. So uh, let's just uh, talk about a few thought starters here. Um so the Welsh, farmer, the Welsh miners, coal miners, back in the day before technology, um, fueled the Industrial Revolution through their mining efforts in Wales, primarily in northern England. And they would bring a canary in, in a little cage down with them when they went through in their mining efforts. And they would always have a kid who would just watch the canary and canaries were hypersensitive to methane, and uh, they would keel over and perish uh, way prior to when a human could even detect it. So when they brought a canary in the coal mine, it was a, an early detection system. It's a way to go and um, catch the nuances of something that bad is going to happen uh, mm-hmm. before it actually becomes a, a problem. And so... In the retention marketing kind of a thing, the, it's the canary in a coal mine is really to have really consistent communication loops with those quiet people that don't say anything who one day uh, don't show up for school. So, Shane, like we have a survey tool that we use um, in that regard. You want to touch on that a little bit?
0: Yeah, sure will. So in, in the virtual advisor, we've got our, our, our student satisfaction pathway, we call it. It's But it's a, a carrier and coal mine kind of a tactic. And what it does is it gets e- emailed out periodically to, to students, especially in the first kind of first week, first couple of weeks, first month, first two months, um, asking them just basic stuff. Are you, are you finding your way around? Is the level of instruction – working for you, Um, are the lifestyle things, you know, there's any transportation issues or child care issues or, um, you know, any learning difficulties, anything that would be a barrier that would derail somebody early from uh, succeeding in school. And the idea is that if we flag flag those things, then the, the retention team or the administration can kind of jump on it and work with that, Uh, with that student to resolve it it's not you know it's not rocket science but it's really an important tactic because we know um, empirically that when you get involved early when there's a problem and you get in front of it you're way more likely to solve the problem than if it festers and then somebody gets to the point where they they quit they mentally check out Trying to turn around that thought process is way harder than proactively dealing with it when the early symptoms arise.
1: So, having little canary in a coal mine communication loops could possibly affect uh, retention 5%. So, if a school has, a, a rolling cohort of 500 students, let's just say, that 5% of 500 is what's that math, Shane?
0: Uh, what's that, 20, 25? 25,
1: oh, 25, and,
0: and times, whatever, 20,000,
1: yeah. 20 grand.
0: Mm, yeah. It's
1: a half a million dollars okay. a year.
0: Yeah. It's, it's amazing.
1: Huh? Okay, yeah. cool. Now um, let's go to another tip here on retention is uh, one that is, um, it's obscure. And again, uh, folks are going to just back up and say the best ideas come from not only other industries but other eras of history where you can take these analogies learned in the in the past or in other sectors and apply them and test them in your own uh, school so i 'm going to just lean on another one shane from the again from the 1800s and again from europe and that 's um, the famous um, smallpox epidemic that wiped out much of Europe in the 17 and 1800s. And like a so,
0: history lesson this morning.
1: Well, I'm in the history mood, I guess. Um, I, I'm uh, watching too much CNN, perhaps, and I'm feeling a little bummed out. So uh, I'm going to just talk about smallpox just uh, as a kind of a cathartic thing. When people... <laughs> When people go and uh, get smallpox, there'll be 10 people who, say, die from smallpox. But there'll be one person, one person who goes and sneezes that smallpox all over the place. And before they perish, they they go and infect another 20 people. And in marketing, we call those people sneezers, right, Shane? Mm Mm-hmm. And so within a school body, there are sneezers, there are people... There are student leaders, if you will, that hold that whole school together, that knit it together like fascia wrapped around the muscles of your body. And, um, and, and so it's, it's a great retention tool is to identify who those sneezers are within your student cohort and then reward them as ambassadors and, and lean on them to help uh, protect the culture of the school and um, kind of like the captain of a hockey team. And so this is a real esoteric kind of hippie thing, but sneezers, Shane. I don't know. Do you think that's mm-hmm. crazy or?
0: Yeah, well, well, uh, um, in in most businesses they call them ambassadors, and right. so, oh, that's another term for it, right? Ambassadors. These are the people that are, you know, brand champions. Kind of a jargon term for it, but you know, people that are enthused about your school. How do we reward them and and galvanize them uh, to help kind of build positivity in the culture like another example of this is like in politics right when when um when a candidate's running, they engage the ground team right and their job is to go and and create buzz and set up events and liaison with the community and and kind of Build the brand of the candidate, so it's a version of that inside the school. these ambassadors or these sneezers, these people that um, uh, build enthusiasm
1: yeah so here's a here's an example um you have a uh let's say a a business program that you're offering um you can take your all your sneezy type students and get them student um memberships to the Board of Trade or to Big Blue and Cousins or to the local technology association. Um and then allow that gives them the opportunity to get in early and mix with um uh with those people who are in position to hire people. As a matter of fact you could give student association memberships to all your students uh, you, you know, make sure they're relevant, of course. Um, and then bring those students out in a bus to those mixers that these industry guys have and have them just co mingle through the whole thing. It'll create motivation with these students having meeting people who are in the industry, who are employed, who are employers. It, it re ups them, it gets them jacked up to keep going with school when they can actually shake hands with. Where they'll be in a six months or a year. Interesting yeah. idea, huh?
0: Yeah, it's a great idea, and we we see this at uh, industry converse, conferences all the time. It's usually like massage schools will send some students to go offer you know massages uh, to to conference attendees, right? And it's a way for them to kind of mix with the business community, get some experience. Uh, It's something they take back to the school. Say, hey, you know, I met the whatever president or something, or and it it just acclimates them to the job market and and the business community and creates uh, you know unique experiences for that student.
1: Yeah, and it it takes very little extra effort or or money, uh, Mm -hmm. and it will help you school people with your retention.
0: Great. Hey Jody just sent me a note that uh, Tom's on now. Tom, you there.
2: Uh I am here. Yeah, I've been on for uh, been on for a little while. Can you guys hear me okay?
1: Yes. Oh wonderful tonal quality. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> so uh folks, Tom is in Minnesota teaching a admissions management boot camp for the folks at C right now and uh he's taking a break to come and uh and sit with us. Tom is uh helped to increase uh, the revenues of a technical school in the in the uh, Northeast uh, to the tune of 650%. So he knows of what he speaks in this topic. Um, Tom, we're just uh, right into the topic of retention. And uh, we've talked about having tight communication loops to help draw out the quiet people if they're feeling unnerved. Um, we've talked about Uh, taking students and giving them association memberships in relevant business associations or what have you to get them acclimatized to where they're going to be heading. And then by extension, um, this is a – let me explain something, everybody. It's called positioning, and it's basically how to position your school in a way to give your graduates an advantage – an advantage when they're out looking for jobs. So Tom and Shainer, just give me a sec to just explain this, eh? Mm -hmm. Um, you have a, an IT program and, um, you're based in Chicago. And so most schools will just have their standard vanilla IT program that they train people on and they get their technical certs and they go out and they're banging heads with everybody, um, with the disadvantage of the lack of experience. This could be seen really in the the last Great Recession where the graduates of schools were competing with guys with 20 years of experience and they couldn't get jobs. Um, so what you do is you, you, you create an intersection. So the horizontal, the left to right line is what you do, IT programs, and then the north to south intersection is who you serve. Schools were saying, IT was serving everybody. But what you can do in Chicago is you can say the agribusiness industry, Cargill, Monsanto, DuPont, all these guys that are specializing in agriculture, um, they have specific jargon. And all you simply do is you create a little participation program and you um, invite students in and you get a digital badge on the jargon of the agribusiness or something like that. And it's one—it's—it's it's done out of your career services department, so you don't have to mess with the regulators. And it puts one line item on that resume for that graduate that says that they have some knowledge around the agriculture industry. And what that does, that one line on that resume, Shane, it gives that kid uh, – an advantage and gets them shortlisted. It's all about what we talk about. Shane is the one percent here, one percent there. Is all you need. You don't need big dramatic, crazy moves, right? I don't know. I'm talking a lot. You wanna, you and Tom wanna speak to that?
0: and uh, Sure. I, I, uh, I'm glad you brought up positioning. It was uh, one of the notes uh, I wanted to touch on. Um, the this is the first to lose, first to win, first to lose principle, right? And so, in a in a race like a, a race you and I are running, if I if you win and I'm a half a second behind you, I'm still the first loser, right? And that half a second rep- represents a tiny tiny fraction of the length of the race, right? But that's all it took to get to get the victory, and this is the same kind of principle in action right? If you can give your, your graduates a tiny little edge, you know, it, it's, uh, hey, I have knowledge of the jargon of agribusiness or government or, I don't know, um, manufacturing or transportation or whatever the kind of dominant industries are in your part of the world. That represents a legit competitive advantage. That might be a tiny percentage of, of the curriculum of what you offer, but it's enough to inch them forward to the half a second, so it's it's really a, a very important principle, and in and in fact this conference call is an example of that kind of in action, right? Because our our business enrollment resources, we focus on vocational schools. That's our market, right? Now the principles that we use to market vocational schools are similar to many other sectors, but having that nuance, understanding the nuances of it and the jargon and the the, na- the numbers and the uniqueness around the customers that you're all trying to get or the students you're trying to get represent a competitive advantage over, say, local marketing company. And it's the reason you're on this conference call.
1: So, Tom, along say, with Shane's saying there, he's made some pretty compelling points around – how you actually run your marketing and it's not a game of big crazy ideas and dancing hamsters and all this it's about these gritty smelly little quarter inch changes all over the place Um, you're going to be speaking about this for half a day
2: Uh, you want to talk to that Uh, yeah I I, I totally agree I think One of the things that really helps, I think, in retention is you're you're trying to create as much value for the student that's in the school uh, as possible. And I think when it comes to retention, uh, the student stays as long as the value of what they uh, perceive that they're getting is exceeding the actual cost of what they're paying. Uh, So I think those digital certificates or any certifications uh, that you can get with the employers – and being on a student leadership council that you were just talking about about five minutes ago, um, those are all great line items on a resume that are creating value uh, for that for that student so I think and those are those are inexpensive things they don't cost your school a whole lot um, but it's all kinds of recognitions, certifications, and additional values and you're creating more line items on their resume that makes them more valuable than had they gone to a a competitor, and that's what uh, keeps that perceived value of their education pretty high.
1: Yeah, and so, like, here's another idea, you guys, on how to create retention marketing or enrollment retention marketing, and that is such a simple idea. You go to, uh, say, using the agribusiness example, there are hundreds and hundreds of companies that feed into Cargill and DuPont and Monsanto, plus the big mass of companies themselves. And uh, say you're offering an 18 month program, let's just say. Uh, Every two weeks, what you do is, school guys, is you bring in somebody. From industry, from the agriculture industry, to go and have a 30-minute talk uh, with um, your students about what it's like out there. So you're starting to, you're basically recrystallizing the future for the students in your intake. Every two weeks, even once a month, you have somebody coming in saying, "This is a really cool industry you're heading into, and um, this is what I'm doing. This is the pathways that you can have." And um, and so what it does is when people are getting down in the dumps, down in the dumps, boom, in comes Sally, who's a graduate of the school, who's now a senior HR manager at the Cargill location in Des Moines, Iowa. And this is what she's excited about. And she's just here to tell you you're making the right choice. And any questions, you know, a little bit of Q&A. It reenergizes it has a halo effect and reenergizes the students for a week or two. That is a yeah, cheap and that, easy thing to organize
0: That's yeah, super cheap and easy and um and the, you touch you know, there's one other one other thing you pointed out in there that I think's important you know this whether it's eight months or eighteen months it's there's a a, a journey right. And you start off infused, and there's a, a, a decline where you kind of get in the weeds and get into the, you know, middle, which is hard, right? And it requires perseverance and toughing it out. So things that boost people throughout that little, like a water station in a marathon, right? i you going to make the next water station, next water station. They help keep someone's energy up and enthusiasm going to get through the tough part till the end is in sight. Yeah, those kind of talks are one example of things that do that.
1: That's right. It's like that song, Gonna Get You Through the Night.
2: That's Ringo Starr. I think (laughs) The, the other thing I would I would put on top of that is a student is no different than talking to your children Uh, every single day, eventually they start to tune you out a bit. But when the neighbor says, hey, don't sit on my fence or something, as opposed to mom and dad saying, don't do it, uh, you know, the the kid pays attention. So I think, you know, the instructors can can talk about the future and the careers that they're going to have. But when an industry representative comes in and speaks, well, now it's someone from the industry and the students have a tendency to perk up and listen and it makes everything a lot more real to them. And it really hits home. Um, Hey, there is a career here and they're talking about benefits, um, that they pay. And wow, there, this really could be a great career. Now I'm re-energized for the next, for the next run.
1: It's mm-hmm. a tech, ta- it's a tactile, highly kinesthetic, uh, version of social media. It's social proof when mm-hmm. um, you have, 10, 15 very successful people telling you that you're doing the right thing. Um, hey, now, I'm so gonna...
0: I've, I've got a, a question. I've got one, one question. I wanted Tom to clarify one thing. Is, is that okay? Sure. Tom, you, you had said, you, you, as the throwaway had said, Student Leadership Council. W- what is that? So
2: what we had done uh, at at our school was, uh, we, we had some students uh, that formed a, really a, a leadership council, and they had a, a couple different roles. And these were, uh, these were obviously some of your better students, but they also—it's kind of akin to like the high school student council uh, mm-hmm. type of a thing. And you, you see that in colleges as well. Uh, but it, the leadership council was made up of some representative students from a, a variety of different programs, uh, probably at least halfway through their program or, or so. Um, that really took on a number of roles of helping uh, put together activities for the students, and they would kind of represent the students of hey, what activities do you want to, do you guys want to do as opposed to what activities does the school want to plan? Um, they could maybe organize uh, some fun activities, some serious activities they 'd help around the school in a variety of ways they could be ambassadors uh, of the school and Again, it really made uh, an impact on their resume. Uh, They were great representatives. They would make, when they graduated, great testimonials. Um, But they got really involved in all of the facets of the school. Uh, They may even become tutors uh, for students uh, and help students on how to uh, take tests or be organized. Uh, They might run workshops on how to get certifications. Uh, So they were really a, a great ambassador group for the school and participate in a lot of different things, but very similar to uh, a typical student council, uh, just on a higher level.
0: Yeah, I love that idea. Cause it's it's your, great you're idea. Mining, you're mining your students for the ideas of the things that are going to keep them motivated, too. So it's an internal feedback loop.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and I love it. Now, here's the last tip around retention, which is a, a controversial one. Uh, but I'm going to just lay it out there. At at enrollment resources, uh, at invoice time, if you feel like you've not gotten your money's worth, you can adjust the invoice to whatever you deem to be fair. In other words, it's a really good guarantee. And um, what we say to schools, we say, if your programs are so good, why don't you offer a guarantee? and you typically see people's the the their necks get red and they choke up and kind of look at you like you're such an idiot um but i guess what what we're here to tell you is that with all the work of the regulators and the attorneys generals in the various states and um they are forcing you guys on the call to work to best practice. They are forcing you essentially to guarantee your work. Otherwise, you get hammered uh, in the worst way by these pinheads that run these regulatory bodies. Essentially, you have to offer a guarantee in some manner or fashion. You have no choice. It's been foisted upon you now with all these cascading rules and lawsuits. So that would be my crazy premise I'd present, is to ponder offering a guarantee, a satisfaction guarantee to your students. Tom, that's a crazy idea in terms, don't you think? Uh,
2: It it is a very interesting concept. Uh, As long as you can stay within the accreditation rules about tuition discounting and and things like that, that, that may come into play. Um, but I, I certainly believe that schools, most of the better schools will offer uh, free retraining where you know, if you graduate and you want to come back and retake a portion of any of the training that you have, uh, you can certainly go back in and sit and audit classes. Uh, and there's two benefits of that. One, if you just didn't get it the first time through and didn't feel that it was worthwhile, then certainly you can come back and do that. And number two, you may go into a field and not utilize certain skills, um, but then get a promotion or a, a slight job change and you can come in and, and get some free retraining. and it, uh, you know, it's a great incentive for students to you know stick through the program and knowing the fact that you know, I could potentially come back and re audit some classes uh, later on if I find that I need those, um, it's not only and it's a good sales and marketing tool on the front end as well.
1: Shane, that's a crazy idea, isn't it? Having schools offering guarantees. Yeah,
0: yeah, you're yeah. not.
1: Okay. No, never it's, mind.
0: It's, no, no, no. It's, I'm joking. It's you know, it's a, it's a great idea. The 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 details of which there's no clear um, direction on, and so this represents. You know, we talked about innovation earlier. This represents a a line of thinking that could be innovative. Right, and so whether it's say you can retake a course or you can, you know, I don't know what it would be. It 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 demonstrates credibility, right? It it demonstrates you're willing to kind of stand by your your promises, which is hugely important, and gives it also gives you high moral ground with uh, prospects, or sorry, with uh, students because. If, if you're willing to live up to your responsibilities, it also implies they have to live up to there,
1: right? Right. It's also easier to uh, onboard students at the admissions level if you have a guarantee in behind your offering. Uh, it, it then in turn lowers your marketing costs. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, something that would have to be put up on a whiteboard and mind mapped, I think. But mm-hmm. um, it has... Potential here's a baby version of of guarantee is um it's another oddball idea you guys that you can weigh in on is that is um with proprietary schools in particular develop a uh continuing education program so uh when someone signs up to become a say a cosmetologist uh they will get five years of post graduate uh training. And it's easy to deliver. You deliver it by way of uh, using, like, screen sharing, like go to meeting, go to webinar. And every three months, you bring up the new hairstyles from Paris, or you have a, a somebody who's, um does botanical colors talk about new emerging technology and colors, or what's new from NACUS or how to prepare for hair competitions, or... There's a million things. On the IT side, same thing. On the allied health side, the knowledge is always evolving. And so if you can take your graduates in phlebotomy and you can, every quarter or twice a year, have a good two-hour workshop on uh, new evolutions in needles or or um, fluid extraction or, I don't know, but there's... Then... So my point being, you guys, is it takes virtually like a couple of hours of effort to run one of these, just like we're doing on our podcast today. And the students get this perceived downstream value, speaking to Tom's point previously, that you not only are going to get your intensive certificate program, but you're going to be kept abreast of new and emerging um, technologies, so you can stay abreast of your job. So, Shane, mm-hmm. crazy idea?
0: No, no, it's a great idea. It's it's another way of adding value. And Tom had said earlier, it's really it's about adding value so that the value received is greater than the uh, money paid. Right? that's you know, that's kind of the core yeah. of everything.
1: And yeah, then so the, it's another way to do that. Yeah, and you can ask your graduates to bring uh to, to bring referrals. It's also, Tom, a way to go and create Um, uh, keep the relationship long after graduation, which will help you mitigate in student loan failures because you're still connecting and engaging with students. There might be the odd one that's going to stiff you financially, but if you're connecting with them on on the continuing ed piece, continuing to pile in value, there's the law of reciprocity in social psychology, which the student will feel the need to. You know, at least chip away at that loan payment. You mm-hmm. care to speak hey, to Shane, that, Tom? Oh, sorry, Shane. Yeah, go ahead, Shane. Then Tom. No, 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 no. no, no
0: please, please Tom. There was there a question that's not directly related, but it's
1: important. Oh, okay. So, Tom, and then Shane, you pile in.
2: Yeah, real quick, yeah. I, I mean, I love the idea of continuing education programs. Uh, was recently at the uh, uh, Alliance for Massage Therapy conference and. That's a, a, a big thing in massage therapy is a lot of the schools, not only does a good chunk of their revenue come from uh, continuing education, but I think offering that, um, it, it also became a good recruiting and marketing and admissions tool. Uh, it's a value you add. Uh, most fields require some type of continuing education, and who better to, to offer those types of things than the schools themselves as opposed to, Uh, trying to go to some kind of a state association or something like that, if the school makes it available, I think it's a tremendous tool. It builds value. It's a great recruiting tool, a great marketing tool, a great retention tool, uh, also a potential revenue builder um, for outside people. But, you know, students themselves may get it for free for, as you said, Greg, maybe the first five years it's free. Um, I think that's a tremendous tool for schools to (laughs) use.
1: And, and for the, uh, you also offer it to the graduates of your, com- your school's competitors, but you charge a fee 50 or 100 bucks a throw uh, or a solid referral. So, what you do is you turn the graduates of your lazy competitors into sneezers for you guys. You take over that brand relationship with that graduate and make it your own, and then you get them loving you instead of where they got their education.
2: Yeah, I think it's a great source of referrals. Um, they offer continuing education uh, for everybody, but your students get it free. But, yep, I think it's great. My
1: my cheeky side says, isn't it cool to take your competitors' graduates and, and flip them and turn them into sneezers for your, you, eh? Yeah. Shane, you, you had something to hey, say. So, there.
0: Th- well, th- no, there was a question, and the question was, don't schools need to be very careful with things that could be seen as incentives. So this is, uh, and so I wanted um, uh, you guys to weigh in on that. So are these things incentives? Is this, uh, does this create regulatory risk, or is this uh, added value because it's just part of what they're paying for?
1: I think uh, my view, now this has got to go with the lawyer land, but my view is is that if it is established, and locked in as part of the overall um, value proposition, um, the, and you're not teasing them with, you know, if you do this, you get this. Um, what's the harm? I don't know, Tom. Your thoughts? It's
2: a good question. Yeah, I think on the continuing education side, I think that certainly is a a, a viable option to offer continuing education training because you're you're not giving the student any kind of a monetary reward uh, for that, and offering free continuing education doesn't really fall into that. Discounting your tuition with a guarantee might be an issue, um, certainly, but uh, as long as I'm not, you know, incentive paying my students for, for something or, or, or giving them something that um, would be considered discounting, I think you, you would fall in the norm, but certainly you do have to make sure you run that through your compliance and your accrediting body. You know, you can go and simply um, bundle it in and say, you
1: know, you get your intensive training for 10 months and then you get quarterly training for five years and it's part of your tuition. It's part of the tuition you're paying and we factored that cost into your tuition. And if you want to just... Sorry, Shane, go.
0: And that that could include, because we talked about student memberships and related associations. That would mm-hmm. be part of the same thing. It's it's like including um, a, a certification in the class tuition. IT programs do that all the time, right? You're gonna we're gonna allow you to take the certifications in these five areas. It's it's just bundled in as part of the, what they've paid.
1: Yeah, uh, challenged uh, national certification tests and stuff. Um, a couple more things, and then I think we'll peel off. Um, the HR managers within Career Services, uh, ha- for every person they hire, there's 20 people they want to hire that they love in terms of attitude but just don't have the skill set. It's a fantastic pool for re- back channel referrals. Why don't we talk to the HR people? Yeah.
2: Just a thought. Yeah, no, I agree. Is. I think career services, we in fact, we just spoke upon uh, that exact same thing here at the conference in the uh, talk that I just gave uh, with Scott here. Uh, We talked about personally developed leads and the fact that everybody in the school is part of admissions and everybody has an opportunity for referrals. But career services is dealing with employers that are turning away. Anywhere from 50 to probably 100 people a month minimum on resumes that they're getting that are just not qualified, every single one of those people that wants to work for that employer who isn't getting hired because of the lack of skills is, has an opportunity to come to the school um, and get the required training. So it helps not only the employer get qualified people, but it helps the school and it helps the student. That's a great win-win for, for everyone. Uh, if you can get those HR managers from those employers to really turn over those potential people resumes that they're getting, not the actual resumes themselves, but the names or refer those people uh, to contact someone at the school to get the training needed so that they can come back in a year or what have you with the, with the right skill set. Yeah, give up the
1: names and we'll feed those guys back to you with uh, some training in hand and uh, there you go. One last thing is I wanted to talk about, you know, the marketing as it relates to career services is really business to business, B2B marketing, which is what we do at Enrollment Resources. And really the best uh, the best way to systemize B2B marketing uh, is by way of LinkedIn. And so um, – Tom, within LinkedIn, there's this uh, thing called Sales Navigator, which is a fantastic kind of—you know—I think of the the Wizard of Oz, and the, he's behind the curtain pulling all the levers. Sales Navigator is kind of like one of those things that it's these levers that you can just pull. It's like an operating system. Um, why don't you
2: talk about LinkedIn for a sec? I think LinkedIn is like it's a, it's a, a great tool. It's something I think that's not as well. Implemented on the school side, um, a lot of you know executives and, and salespeople are, are on it. But uh, I, I think setting up your students um, on with LinkedIn accounts as part of their career services um, job, I think it's almost as important to put together their career their uh, LinkedIn account as it is to create resumes and work with their resumes. It's also it, we, we In this industry, we find our it's really tough to create alumni associations uh, in our industry. Students leave and they're gone and we don't typically get to see them a lot uh, or hear from them after that unless they need something. Uh, but once they're on LinkedIn and you can create an alumni group uh, and you teach them a little bit on how to use, whether it's the Sales Navigator uh, or just how to create, um, you know, add people to their network on LinkedIn so... They're networking with other students, potential employers. Um, I think it's it's an overlooked piece of the career services puzzle. Yeah, and the other thing that's really
1: interesting is that the career services people can create a really nice pool, LinkedIn pool for themselves of all of the the HR managers, people who are hiring, that kind of thing. So, a great way to build a pool of a couple hundred HR managers. You know, as we all know, folks, when you bring a student on, they go from being a a customer to becoming your product. And so um, having that link into the HR community that hire your graduates is really, it's an outcomes-based industry. Um, You guys, I think it's time uh, to reach out and see if anybody has any clarifying questions or comments. Uh, And then what we can do is we can... Have a giveaway. Um, Just uh, The giveaway is going to be, uh, we have this thing called a scorecard, which compares you to the best practices of other schools of your type on a North American scale. And it's kind of like an MRI where you can focus in and gain some clarity on where you're strong and where you have opportunities to build. Um, We're going to give the first five people that um, text in uh, two complimentary sessions in the scorecard, and you're guaranteed to take away three or four personalized thought starters. And so um, the number, the phone oh, number. No. Shane? Sorry, Hi. Craig, if I can Oh, they'll get more than thought starters.
0: We'll, we they'll, they'll, Oh, yeah. They're going to find, um, in most cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars of lost or leaking revenue opportunities for the school. Isn't just a little hey hey. Here's an idea to try. This is where is there loss. Where is where is there leakage in your business? Where can we shore it up and increase revenue six figures? So I just yeah. you're, you're 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 being so Canadian about it.
1: <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad you've you've uh, drawn out my inner American. So that's good. Oh, yeah, Thank you. Yeah, there you, you go. <laughs> yeah. So the first five people that text in, we're going to give you the, uh, some sessions that are valuable. And, and as Shane said, it'll help you a lot. So uh, the, the phone number to text in on is 250-391-9494. Uh, I'll say that again, 250-391-9494. And uh, we'll, if you want to try this out, we'll set you up a couple of meetings on the uh, on the phone and now, well, anybody he, else? and
0: in the spirit, in the spirit of a guarantee, uh, well, here's the guarantee I'll make, and I'll make this personally. If we can't find you in these two sessions, at least a hundred grand in lost revenue,
1: I will personally give you a hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay. That heats it up. That's like almost like now we got a the gauntlet's been thrown down. Yeah. Sure. I, okay. I'll support that. I'll do the same thing. If I can't, if I work with you guys as well, and I can't find you 100 grand in, in improved uh, uh, revenue through improved process, I'll give you 100 bucks. Tom,
0: out of your own pocket. Yeah.
1: Sure, Tom. You in or you out?
2: Oh, I'm always in.
1: Okay, good. All right. So there we go. That's uh walking our talk, I guess, you guys. Um, that was an organic uh, little offer that we invented on the fly. Huh. Who has a question for us? Anybody want to weigh in on retention, marketing, and career services while you have us on the phone? We'll just uh, just press star six on your phone, and that will get you into in with the three of us. No?
3: I have a question. My name is Linnell. Hi, Linnell. Hi. Um, My admissions team refuses to not give out all the information over the phone because they feel like if a possible student calls in and asks, how much is your tuition directly, they need to answer them directly or we will lose that student's um, believing in us. How, How do you think they should handle direct questions like that?
2: A great question, Tom. You want to take a crack at that? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we we are there to give out an, an amount of information an amount of information is to be exchanged, and we we try not to provide as much information. We don't want to sell the school. We're really there to sell the appointment. Um, however, I mean, refusing to to provide tuition amounts or something like that. You don't. I don't want to lose the opportunity for the appointment. And if that's the the killer, um, then I'm going to answer, I'm I'm always going to answer the question um, and not try to dance around it. Um, However, I do try to limit the number of questions because we are, if if there's multiple questions, then the interest level is there and would be best served by actually coming in and sitting down. Uh, We also have a difficult time in providing tuition because we don't really know what program that individual is is right for, or whether we're right for them, um, which is the reason for the entire career planning session to begin with. Uh, so we can maybe quote ranges, as opposed to specifics, um, but we try to at least get them in and let them know that you know we've got a lot of different programs from certificate to diploma. And until we really sit down, we we really don't know which one is going to uh, be right for you, be right for you. We certainly don't want to sell. You know, a certain BMW when we have multiple cars on our lot, and we don't want to keep quoting the only one car that we have, knowing that there's a lot of different options that really need to be explored. And if we we're up front with the student, uh, I think on the appointment setting call uh, as to what the purpose of that call is, which is really to find out if uh, there's enough interest for them to come in and, you know, sit down with us to explore uh, the potential fit, I think that's what we're looking for.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Tom, what you're saying is. Within that appointment setting call, you're really setting the agenda for the appointment, and saying, "I'm going to spend a lot of time with you to see if there's a career fit and to see if, in fact, this is right for you." Then, in doing so, I'm going to um, show you, put my my flag waving hat on, and uh, take you around the school, and uh, and and then we can talk about. Like, I want to make sure that there's enough value here for you. If I tell you that it's some number like ten thousand um, dollars, and you have a preconceived notion of what you're going to get for that money, you could be um, just uh, taking yourself out of a life-changing opportunity simply because you don't have all the
2: information. And on the website, in your disclosures, you are already disclosing the tuition, so they can they easily can know that information. So to withhold it. Um, is probably not the right thing to do, but to at least let them know that, you know what, there's a lot of variables involved. Here's maybe a range, but we really won't know until we sit down. Uh, But they can certainly look at your disclosures on your website and pull the price of any program that you have. Uh, So I wouldn't ignore it, but I would try to at least be a little bit more general and let them know that's a great question. When you come in to sit down, we'll explore that and see what program is right for you. Then we'll cover all the financial opportunities we have to help you uh, afford to, to take that program. You can also so tell you know, them that
1: like, you... go ahead, Shane, sorry.
0: Oh, I was just going to say the other way to address that is is also break it down into payments. You know, like uh, the, the range idea is a great one. Hey, our programs range from this to that. Um, you know, bursaries, or you might qualify for some other things that would reduce it. Most students find that their monthly payments, if they take out loans, are roughly, you know, one hundred to three hundred dollars, or some range like that. That's how they sell cars, right? They never list the sticker price; they list the payments.
1: There we go.
3: Oh, I like that. That's good.
1: <laughs> go and text in, text in Linnell, and we'll uh, have a couple sessions with you in person. So, and we'll. I
3: did. I text in. I hope you got
1: it. Okay. Well, if you're one of the first five, you're in.
3: Great. I have another question. Sure. We're finding out that half of our students that we have a contract with don't show up on first day of class. Ah. And I'm trying to figure out what's happening that we don't give them the urgency of coming in after they sign the contract.
1: Yeah, so that's a post-contract marketing campaign. Shane, you might uh, have some thoughts on this this topic.
0: Yeah, I do. So first, uh, consideration is how far apart are your start dates. So if, if you're starting someone, uh, you know, you're enrolling them, and then it's six months before they start, you're going to have a bigger drop-off, and that's the consequence of that. Um, uh, but the the solution to that is engagement right? It's, it's how do you keep someone kind of excited, and it could be manufacturing reasons for them to come in. It could be setting little, I don't know, pre-workshop, weekend workshop, uh, pre-enrollment things to keep people excited. Um, it could be just updates, phone calls and emails with updates on what all the awesome things they're going to learn, and could be inviting them in to, uh, uh, if you are having employers say coming in and doing talks, inviting those enrolled
1: students to come in, sit in on those things. Mm-hmm.
4: Great, so rep- thank
1: you. Repetition creates familiarity, familiarity creates trust, and there's like a halo effect after each little touch, right? So, yeah, yeah. And okay. I would,
2: it's- I would advocate if you don't have a portion of your marketing budget set aside for I call that enrollment retention, which is from the date that they enroll to the day they start. A portion of your marketing budget has to be set aside for just those things that Shane mentioned: newsletters, emails. That's where your Facebook content really comes into play. You know, keeping them engaged and seeing the future that they could have when they're at that school. Um, and you know, letters from directors, phone calls from students, uh, all of those, all that stuff. Has to, you have to have at least some of some your marketing budget set aside to retain the enrollments until the day that they start.
3: Uh, wonderful. Good. I love it. Thank you.
2: You're
1: welcome, Linnell. Thanks for talking.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, who, anybody else have a question for Shane, Tom, or myself?
4: Hi, no? Valerie uh, at uh, Nets in Summers,
1: Connecticut. Hi. Hi, Valerie.
4: I'm the director of career resources here and I wanted to find out I have a lot of our students who do use Facebook like crazy but especially the younger folks don't use Facebook and I'm wondering what your thought as to where they're migrating to
1: Instagram and Snapchat yeah
4: okay Instagram and
0: Snapchat. Yeah, and and, and Snapchat. And uh, I can attest to that. I got teenagers at home and they spend their whole lives Snapchatting. Now okay. I think personally I think Snapchat was, was specifically invented to make it impossible for adults to understand how to use it. <laughs> yeah. So so good luck. But that's where they okay. are. Okay.
1: Yeah, and Facebook is your mom's is your mom's social media platform now. You know, if yeah. you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like uh my my seventeen year old I have teenagers as well, as does Tom. And and uh and Amanda just came clean and she said, Dad, you you're trying to get to follow me on my on my my spam Instagram and I don't want you there. And I have my my world-facing instagram and i have my nasty one so she opens it up on her phone and says okay here's my world-facing one dad and i go oh those are nice pictures honey and la 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 sunsets and kittens and and then here's my dirty one dad and it's like you know some creep with multiple piercings you know sticking his tongue out like a lizard and then you know one girlfriend with her finger up her nose or what the hell? Like it's just I go, Amanda. What is this crap? And she goes, Dad. Exactly. That's why you're never going to find your your way on here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. As Shane said, Snapchat, Instagram. That's where they are.
4: Okay. Well, the, thank you because our students are getting younger, and I need to know how to reach them.
1: Maybe they're not getting younger. Maybe you're just getting incrementally older. Um <laughs> well, well
4: there's, that there's that too, but I mean I have a lot of we have a lot of students here, our average population is less than thirty five years old, and uh you know yeah. that's a whole nother world
2: yeah, yeah. if, if be... I can just jump in really quick on it too, don't give up on facebook though if you, if you if you're watching facebook they're growing they're still growing at an immense rate, and the video content is growing there. Their advertising content is growing, and if you looked at Snapchat stock, it's been cut in half uh, because they're not, they're not growing and they're not as successful as Facebook is still. Uh, it is still a medium that while the students may not be on it much, a lot of them still at least have a Facebook account or can monitor stuff on Facebook. So while you should be on Instagram and Snapchat to an extent, and that's where students communicate, they still may also be on Facebook, though, maybe not posting as much but they'll be able to monitor what you do and it's a tremendous platform because it does allow for sharing and video and other things uh, from your school as far as a lead generating tool maybe not but from a retention tool uh, i think it's a a really good tool to utilize still as well as snapchat and instagram
1: well all, all social media is interruption advertising so there's there's search advertising, which is the, like the the classified section of the newspaper, Craigslist, um, and paid search such as Google, uh, you know, the Google platform and whatnot. Uh, and then there's interruption advertising where you, somebody's looking at you. You're looking at your friend's cat on Facebook, and there's an ad off on the right trying to interrupt you from that cat-oogling ex- experience to say, hey, you know, here's a place to get cats for half price. And, yeah, that's how that works. So, interruption advertising, the leads are cheap, but the conversion rate is really low. And that's because you're basically taking somebody who's more of a, on a like a muse about your school versus somebody who's actually typing in, you know, phlebotomy school into the Google search engine. They're on a hunt. So the conversion rates are such that they're much higher. So always discern when you're spending your money. You've got search advertising and interruption advertising and see which falls where. The other thing of note is the second largest social media platform in the world right now after Facebook is YouTube. And now when you look at YouTube uh, vids, there's always little 15-second ads that are kicking up. And now they're, they're hugely monetizing YouTube now and um so something to consider there as well that's where your t- tv okay. budget maybe that's where you send your t- your old tv budget that you used build out these nice little 15 second hardcore little um video ads tv ads essentially with a a click the button here drive to a landing page and they inside youtube there are many demographic, psychographic filters, socioeconomic filters that you can plug in so that the ads only come up uh, when certain people are looking at certain things. Yeah. yeah. Shane, you're the guru in this area, and you're sort of remaining silent.
0: Oh, no, I I'm I, I think those are all great. Yeah,
1: okay. Um, yeah. Does that help you?
4: Yes, thank you.
1: Cool, okay. Anybody else have a question uh, before we say goodbye? One last chance here. No? Okay. Gentlemen, I think we're done. Let's say farewell. And uh, next week, um, in conjunction with FAME, who are hosting the call next Wednesday, the topic is how to create a culture of innovation, which I'm really looking forward to. That's going to be very interesting. Um, yeah. Folks, have a great for those still on the call. Have a great day, Shane. Any final word?
0: No. Well, thank you for uh, attending. This has been uh, an interesting five sessions. I hope uh, you were able to attend multiple ones, and I hope it helped. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you haven't texted,
1: text. Yeah, first five.
3: (laughs) All right, thank you guys. You were wonderful.
1: Oh, you're wonderful too. We'll talk to you all soon. Take care. Okay, bye. 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 Bye.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, Innovations in Enrollment Management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com.